There are things God can't do, y'all. God can't fail. God can't lie. That means if he said it in that word, it's true. There used to be an old bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Can you say that today? Come on, somebody say, God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Today is one of the most exciting days of my life. Every year I consider this Super Bowl Sunday. This is the day that we ordain elders and deacons in the house. So I want you to, to see the bow tie. I don't get dressed up often, but when I do, you know it's special. And I want you to remember that I love you so everybody see my big smile because I always take these opportunities to preach my guts out. And I want you to hear the call to this ministry and what this church stands for. Because this ministry, I'm not saying we're the only ones who are radical, but I'm saying we are one of the only ones. We are a ministry built upon the Word of God. Today's message is grow up before God throws up. That's where I'm going right now, Hebrews chapter 5. But y'all listen to me. This church was started in my wife and I's house. You think I'm scared of you? Leaving, getting upset, putting this on Facebook. I already been through it. And I still got more than I started with by God's grace. I'm not scared of you. I love you too much to have a fear of you. i got to preach to you. Listen, some of you don't know my call. I was born and raised in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I don't belong here. I came here on a mission by God. You say, Pastor, you wouldn't live here if it wasn't God? That's right. I would be where it's warm and where there's a real beach. Don't hate me now. Don't throw stuff at me now. Some of y'all, so for some real countries with beaches and, and, and cities, you know what I'm talking about. I would be at the beach, maybe making music. Vinny and I wrote a song yesterday just like that. Him and I could produce Christian music right like this. I'm here because God called me here. I'm here because of God. I'm here because of God. Are you listening to me? So I don't expect nothing less from you. If I am here because of God pastoring in this city and I have fallen in love with it and I love you, I don't expect anything less of you. Because listen to me, don't you come here because I'm funny. Don't come here because I'm cool to hang out with. Don't you come here because we got the lights or we're more contemporary. You come here because God told you to be here. Because I am not talking to people that are here as consumers. If you think we are giving out the best deal at the best cost, the thing that's going to cost you the less, you are at the wrong church, baby, because this is going to cost you everything. This has cost me everything. Everything. My wife and I sat down and figured out what we could make if we changed up our lifestyle, even in Christianity, no, not stealing from anybody. We could make a quarter million dollars a year. I could preach at churches during the week. I could start holding conferences. I could be a professor at one of the main schools. I could work and sell books for a living with, with, with distributors and with people who want to make money off them instead of giving them away for free. Preach and right here. 
But y'all look at me. Don't you feel sorry for me? I'm not a martyr for this. I love this. I wouldn't trade this for anything. This is what God told me to do, and I will be here every single day. Are you listening to me? With joy, with a smile on my face. And there has never been a time where you have come to this church and you have not seen this. Loving God and loving people, connect, mentor, sent with the 100,000 disciples with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. You want to know why? Because God gave it to me day one. Day one. When we had a Bible study in our house. And I wanted to go to Cali. I was this close. Somebody say this close. I was this close to being gone, y'all. This close. I already had the idea of what I was going to do. Work at the Bible college in Oakland. Live in Santa Monica. And God said, don't you leave here. He said, you started in your house. Some of y'all don't know where I came from, but I used to work at a big church getting paid. And God said, you started in your house. And I said, God, I already started a church in New Orleans in my house. I don't want to start a church in my house again, Jesus. He said, if you're with me, you're going to start it in your house. I had nobody. I would be so bored. I would be so lonely. I would ride my bike for hours by the lake. I would go witnessing at Belmont and Clark because that was the only place that still had people partying during the day. I would go ride over there and witness the people for hours. Hours. You think I'm going to compromise now? Now that we have almost 250 people, now that we have 160 disciples, now that we're changing the world, I have waited my whole life to do this. I gave up everything to do this. And the question I want to ask you is, do you want to grow up or do you want to make God throw up? Because you better count your costs now. Because this church ain't for everybody. Yes, we welcome everybody, but everybody, y'all don't belong in this church if you don't want to do this. If y'all don't want to go hard for God, if you don't want somebody preaching the word to you, raising you up, you want to know why we shut down the children's ministry? Because I wasn't seeing enough of y'all volunteering to do it, and everybody else, some of these young ladies getting uh, ordained today don't even have kids, but we're doing it. And I said, I want to see men with their kids. I want to see men holding their children in church, not just dropping them off to some daycare. And I'm the one that got the most kids in the church. Got a nine-year-old, got an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old. And I was feeding back there the three-month-old, and he spit up right on my pants. Yeah, that's right. I'll take that. I will take that. You know why? Because it's my honor to have my kids in church. I got Wednesday programs for them. You know what? We had 200 people out here last Wednesday on Halloween. Give it up for the Wednesday program. Come on. Y'all drop them off. You know you still got that. But listen, I had to make changes. And the question I, I want to ask you guys is, what changes are you willing to make? What are you willing to do to give it all for God because he gave it all for you? Look at Hebrews chapter 5, start around verse 14. It said, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. 
But look right up at the top what he says in verse 11, though. He says, we have much to say about this. But it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. He's talking to Christians. He says, I've got so much more stuff i got to tell you people, but y'all don't want to understand. Sometimes I feel that way as a pastor. Now, now hear me right now. You hear me. I love being a pastor. But some of y'all just don't want to understand. And I'll say it to you over and over and over again because that's my job. But listen to me. I ain't handcuffed to you either, baby, because on Judgment Day, I'm getting my reward whether you bust hell wide open. So my job is to make you understand and to make it clear, but I can't force you to understand. But I will be here to ordain people who do understand. And when I start ordaining teenagers and y'all adults get upset, I'm happy you upset. Because now you feel what I feel. And you look at them and you say, why hasn't it happened for me yet? You better check the word and try to understand what the problem is. Because God called every single one of you in this church to get this. If y'all don't want what we're doing here, goodbye. Thank you for coming to this church as long as you did. I love you. God bless you. Don't let the door hit you with the good Lord splits you. This will be our last Sunday together. Because y'all ain't met a pastor like me in a long time. I understand. Some of y'all ain't never met anybody like me. Listen to me. I am not some tight pants, sissy wearing pastor trying to impress you with lights in this place and some music. I have come to raise up warriors in Jesus' name. I have come to raise up soldiers. That's what we are here to do. And we're not ashamed of it. We are not ashamed of it. I called out churches so long ago. I called out Willow Creek, 20,000 members, but the man was kissing on women's belly buttons. Y'all want that? Go somewhere else. Because that's what that pastor will do for you. That pastor will make a deal. Hey, man, don't get in my business. I won't get in your business. One of my good friends, some of y'all know him in the city. I'll be nice enough not to name his name. Started a church, had everybody with them, and they were cool. They were hip. They had so many leaders. He had started having problems in his marriage. The church came to him and said, man, you can't, you can't pastor like this. You're not right with your wife. Your wife's coming to us. And I think what it was, she got scared when she saw that pastor commit suicide because around August is when it happened. At the same time, the pastor had committed suicide, and I was blasting it on Facebook. The wife went to her, 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 her church to the other pastor and said, it's not right between me and so-and-so. He's not right. He's acting one way in the church, another way at home. And these elders, I talked to one of them guy who's in charge right now he's not going to lie he said we sat the pastor down and we said to him man look we won't fire you just get your marriage right get your marriage right he said I quit quit left the whole thing they just bought a brand new million dollar plus building just quit I'm done to hell with that do y'all hear what I'm telling you right now I'm praying for that church. They got less than 50 people right now. But I'm telling you to hell, literally, with the devil with that. I ain't no pastor like that. We are working for your benefit up in here. And if I ever get caught in sin, or if it's never right with my wife or wherever she was at, you better believe I'm going to make it right with God and get on my knees and say, Jesus, don't leave me now, Lord. Help me, Jesus. 
because this November 5th, tomorrow, makes 23 years walking with Jesus for me. And so I'm going to tell you, this is no navel-kissing pastor here. This is no out of order with my wife here or the other pastor that used to pick up people on the bus to Hammond, Indiana, Jack Scott, having sex with 16-year-olds in the office in jail right now. So y'all sick of it? I'm sick of it. But that's why we're making a difference. But the question is for you, are y'all going to grow up or is God going to throw up? Because I'll put it on the pastors. I'll be the first one to get under the burden of this pulpit and say, I'll pick it up, Jesus, if you give me strength. But I want to know, does anybody else here want to try to understand? Do y'all even want to understand? Do y'all want to understand what it's about? See, if if my marriage is a mess... I can't go out here and preach to this guy. And then I don't get to have days like this. TJ is getting ordained today. Come on, somebody. You want to know why? You want to know why I go to Madison and Pulaski? It's because one of my soldiers said, that's my corner, and it's been hot with the devil. Let's make it hot with Jesus. And I'm like, yes, sir, I got your back. They look at me all the time crazy. You know that they do. White boy, what you doing here? I even had one person yell at me, you should be where all the white people are. I'm like, I've already been to them. They don't like me. I'm giving y'all a try. (laughs) Woo, come on, somebody. This man's on heroin. See, if y'all don't want to do this, this ain't the church for you. If y'all don't want to grow up to understand this, this is not the church for me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to tell you I don't love you. What I'm here to tell you is I love you so much, I cannot lie to you. One of my pastor friends saw me when I first started out, and he was like, he's like, man, I'm surprised you, you haven't even got 50 yet. We didn't hit 50 until after about two years. I was preaching to a Bible study sized church for over two years. Are you listening? And one of my pers- people that I look up to so much, he said, man, I bet you if you change some things, you could get some more people. You know, do a little bit of this, do a little bit of this, some of these ideas that other churches were doing. And I said, hey, I bet you if we did that, we could get people. But I said, God called me to do this. But I want to tell you what, I went home and the Lord even rebuked me. He said, son, you couldn't do that. And I said, Lord, why couldn't I do that? He said, because you love me too much. He said, because if you ever stopped loving me and you tried to play that religious game, you'd be like that pastor they caught having homosexual relationships with prostitutes doing crystal meth. Another pastor OD'd off drugs in a hotel. God said, you're a crazy sinner. You can't play it in between. He said, you're like the one who loves me a lot because you are forgiven of much. And I said, you're right, Jesus. I said, so what should I say next time somebody says that to me? And he said, next time somebody says that to to you, you say that I'm worth it all and that you couldn't change a thing. It's not even an option. It's not even an option. Do you all understand that? This right here is not even an option. I have to. I have to go to Wright College. 
I have to go to, to, to the schools in front of Shures. I mean, they see me. They don't see me dressed up nice. They don't see me like, they just see me like an ordinary dude. They walk right by me. These Shure high school students, these Prosser students, we bring that truck to. They mock us. They make fun of us. But I'm so happy I'm preaching. See, the question I want to ask you is the same thing. Are you doing what God calls you to do? Because your family might make fun of you. People around you may not get it. They may even try to tell you about our church. Sometimes we have people come to this church, and then they get upset and want to leave. And they'll try to take people with them. And they'll try to talk to people like this, like as if they didn't know. They'll say, hey, hey, man, I'm going to try out this church. Do you know that they'll let you be in the band without doing discipleship? Like as if our people didn't know that. But they'll try to get them to come. Hey, man, do you know over here, they'll let you be a children's worker. They'll let, you, they'll let you be a children's worker even though you're crazy and out of your mind, not even close to living for Jesus. They'll let you be in charge of the children or work with the children. Do you know, what, you, you know where this church started at? Technically, can I tell you where this church started at? New York City, 2005. In front of a pastor I resigned in front of who was taking me to go meet Jim Cimbala. Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, Grammy-selling artists, popular pastor known around the world. I resigned that day in front of my pastor who was setting us up to go meet with him because that was his pastor. What made me want to resign my paid gig, start a church in my house with nobody and not have the opportunity to run with the big boys? What, that, what happened that day in New York? What happened that day was the night before we drove around. And I was saying to my pastor, hey, man, that's a spot we can go witness. Hey, man, we can come back here and do an outreach. And you know what he said? Man, I don't do that. And then Brandon Holt, you know him? He was the worship leader of my church. I yelled at Brandon the entire night. You know what I said to Brandon? I said, bro, we just a bunch of hirelings, man. I said, Brandon, you know Pentecostal teaching is better than this. We're supposed to get empowered to go out on the streets. We ain't supposed to just be sitting around here. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses. You shall lay down your lives. That word witness in the Greek is martyr. You shall lay down your lives for me here. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. I didn't sleep that night. And I woke up that, I, got, I just got out the room that morning, maybe a little bit, got out the room and I went down to the, in my pajamas down to the pastor and they all dressed and ready to go, meet a pastor of a church of 10,000 plus. And I said, pastor, I have to resign. The streets are calling me. The people are calling me. Somebody say, I understand. You see, I can't make you understand, but how many understand? How many understand? Say amen. This is what this church is built upon. It may not be for everybody. I get it. I get it. You, you may think that this may not be for you because you want to go other places. Okay. But don't try to change us. This is what we're going to do. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Somebody say, help us, Jesus. It says you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings of righteousness. What did I say my son did to me uh, this morning, right when I was sitting back there? What did I say happened? He spit up on me, didn't he? Y'all still spitting up milk. Many of you. 
you better be inspired by what you see these people doing for God today. Because many of you ought to be teachers by now. Do you want to know how old I was when I started my first church? 22 years old. In an all African American community, we went to where the hot boys were from. Master P, No Limit Soldiers, some of y'all remember those days? Right there is where we started my church. The very first Sunday, I had two people in New Orleans come. One was a girl from the Christopher Home Projects, and another was a dude named Thorne, whose mother was a stripper because I had met him at Bourbon Street. And that was the way my ministry was from that day forward. During the day, we were in the projects. At night, we were at Bourbon Street, getting the crazy, getting the ones that nobody else wanted, the young ones, the old ones. And that's how this church was birthed. And so, yeah, I'm getting my doctorate at the cemetery, I mean seminary. But y'all don't forget where I come from and what I'm about. That's what my Jesus was about. If my Jesus could come, come on, y'all get this. If my Jesus could come from heaven and step on this wicked earth and walk among sinners, I can go to Belmont and Clark. I can go to Pulaski and Madison. I can go to Prosser High School and let them try to make fun of me. This belongs to Jesus. And if Jesus said this stage is where he wants me to be, then this is where I'll be. And if he says that corner is where he wants me to be, then when y'all come looking for me, you come looking for me on the streets because I'll be preaching the gospel with my Lord and Savior Jesus in the tradition of the apostles and the prophets. Praise God. And so the question is when they want to come looking for you, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? I know we all got jobs to do. I can't do this 24-7. I got to pay bills. I understand. We all got things we have to do with our family. I'm not telling you to lay down your family in such a way where they are abandoned by you. I'm telling you, raise up your family in such a way that they understand. They understand when daddy goes. My children know, where's daddy going? Family fun night. It's Friday. It's family fun. Where's daddy going? He's going to meet with Joe B. And he's going to go to the high schools. And he's going to preach the gospel. See, in my house, y'all get this. In my house, somebody who bounces a rubber ball ain't nothing. We we appreciate you. Thank you. Good for you. But you ain't nothing in my house. In my house, uh, those who sing, y'all ain't nothing. Nothing my house you want to know who the heroes are Tisa and Jean missionaries operators of orphanages in my house heroes are men and women of God who raise up their children in the fear of the Lord in my house the heroes are praying mamas who know how to get on their knees and intercede for their children to come back home in my house TJ is more popular and looked up to than every one of these dudes who play sports in this city my children know who he is my children love who he is when's TJ coming when's TJ coming oh I love TJ The Bible says you got to grow up because not only you throw up, but God's going to throw up.
Think about what end time judgments are going to be like. Look at Revelation 3.16 with me quickly before we get on with the ordination service. Remember, I'm happy. Amen? I'm happy. This is a good day. We have more disciples than we ever had. We have more graduates than we've ever had. But I got to preach it as if it was my last and my first. I never want, listen to me please, I never want the Joe of 2005 to look at the Joe of 2018 and say, man, what you doing? Because I know the Joe of 2005 would say, I'm laying down everything for this, man. If I knew you were just going to quit, if I knew you were just going to quit when things finally started working, I wouldn't have done everything I'm doing now, moving in on Longdale and Potomac, getting my house broken, my cars broken into, having to buy a gun because they're selling drugs in front of the crib, knocking on my window thinking I'm somebody I'm not. The 2005 Joe would look right at me and say, don't you quit now. That's why when I get old and I got gray hair and I get up and I ache and I make weird noises, I can't quit now. I got too many people looking at me now saying, man, it's getting good now. One of the young men we're about ready to ordain today, Oscar, he's in our Bible college. I heard him talking the other day. It was during SUM. That's the Bible college we have here. He was in the lobby. I don't know who he was talking to, but he was saying something like, well, I know God's called me here for at least the next five years, if not more. This is where my ministry is going to be. And something just hit me in my heart. Why would a guy care about this? I mean, our church is so small. I mean, one brick wall to this one. I, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm good at what I do, but I'm not the best. We don't have a lot for him to do, and it's not like there's thousands of us here. Why would a young man so talented say, I, I'm giving my heart here? It's because he caught what I caught. You see this, you see this right here, it's not my idea. This is God's idea. This is a plan that God gave us. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if I wouldn't have done it, somebody else would have. You know, if you could rewind it and I go this way, you would see somebody else holding this up. Because God's got a plan for this city. I just had a man from Texas come here and say God's brought him all the way from Texas to do outreaches here. Chicago's on the heart of the nation because of all these negative things we have going on. But I told him, I said, man, let me hear your plan. You know, after he told me his plan, I said, I'll tell you what. I love you, but that ain't what it needs. That's not what Chicago needs. Just go out to Inglewood, give out some more groceries, give out some more stuff. Man, they already got enough handouts. I said, what they need to see is your consistency and your humility, brokenness. They don't need to see me get up there and whoop and holler on Pulaski and Addison, uh, with, uh, Pulaski and Madison. What they need to see is this. How many, how many preachers do they got in that area? How many churches do they have to go in there? They have. If that would have been the solution, just guys holding mics in suits, wouldn't it have worked a long time ago? Y'all know guys in suits holding microphones, right? I mean, th this would have worked, but it's not. We need foot soldiers. We need people who take serious the things of God. 
people who themselves, see, if something was to happen to me, these deacons will keep living for Jesus. If it comes to find out, man, Joe was called on Belmont and Clark with Twan getting crystal meth in some hotel around there, they'll be like, too bad for him. Let's keep having church. They're going to fight who's preaching on Sunday. Because it's not a show. It's not about me. That's why we don't pay for you to come back to our conferences. That's why I don't have five services during the week. That's why I don't sell my CDs, my tapes, or make you pay for the subscription of our podcasts. Because if we don't grow up, God's going to what? He's going to throw up. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I don't want you to be the same way you are right now a year from now. I want every single one of you. Go get the board for me there with the markers, Steve, quickly, please. I want to show you right now how we can get to 100,000. Can I show you real quick how we're going to do it? All you have to do is just do what God said, and it will be done. We graduate every six months in this church, elders and deacons, to be radical for Jesus. We now have over 60. That's the most we've ever had. Over 80% of y'all are into discipleship. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. It is a good day. Our business is making disciples, and business is good. Right, Jackie? Business is good. You'll see there's a little ledge here. There you go. We probably have right now 125 people. Let's minus some of the children here. I'm going to say there's 100 youth and adults in this place right now. I'm going to show you how we can get to 100,000. Someone quickly show him how to do this. God bless Steve. He's trying to figure it out. Let's get the engineer to come. Amen. Calvin got ordained in the first service. He's, he's qualified. Amen. Let's take out the children. Let's just go to every one of you that can do this. There's 100 right now. Next year, next year at this time, every single one of you becomes a disciple that makes a disciple. How many will we have in this church next year? We'll have 200, right? That's all you have to do. Just do what you're supposed to do. Go to church. Now do your 101. Go to the 201. Don't live in sin and graduate. Is that hard? Do y'all understand? Are y'all still babies or do you understand? You understand? Do you want to make God grow a throw up? No. So you want to do the thing. That's the first year right here, right? Let's throw that marker away, please. Thank you. Let's get another one up here. Right here. We do it again the next year. How many do we have? 400. Somebody say double up. We do it the next year. How many do we have? We do it the next year. How many do we have? We do it the next year. How many do we have? 32, huh? We do it the next year. How many do we have? We do it the next year. What do we have? 12,800. We do it the next year. What do we have? How much? 25,600. Okay, we do it the next year. How many do we have? A lot. What? 51,200, correct? We do it the next year. How many we got? 102,000. 400 disciples. How many years is that? This is one year right now. we in 2018. That's one year. 2019, that's two years. 2020, that's three years. 2021, that's four years. 2022, that's five years. 2023, that's six years. 2024, that's seven years. 2025, that's eight years. 2026, that's nine years. 
2027, that's 10 years. Did I do that right? 10 years? 2028, 11 years. Did I do that math right? So every soul check. One, two, three. We start right here. So this is the year we don't count. I shouldn't have counted this year because we already at 100 right now. Let's just do it this way. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So technically, 10 years, 10 years from right now, 2028, we have 100,000 disciples with the second service. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. There it is. Do you all understand? Do you all understand? That's what I gave my life to. I don't love what Chicago is right now, but I love what Chicago can be. I don't love what we just doing right now in the sense of this is all I'm called to, but I love you because I know you and I can be so much more. Sometimes the greatest enemy of your future is your content present. If you are content with your present, you'll never want to change your future. That applies to all kinds of things. If you're content with your weight, you'll never sacrifice your diet and what you're eating to look good in the future. So the greatest enemy of you achieving things in the future, the greatest enemy of us achieving 100,000 is y'all being content right now with 100. I love you right now the same as I love you with 102,000. But I didn't come here to just pastor 100 or 200 or to be a 10,000-person megachurch. We came here to bring a verifiable revolution that would change the nations and let everybody know about Jesus. A verifiable revival. Something that we don't just talk about, people see. Amen. Steve, can you go ahead and grab this, please? Y'all ready to ordain some people? Amen. Go, to me, go, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, please. Thank you for coming today. Those who are visitors, now you know what we're about. Amen. Now you know. No confusion here. The Bible talks about disciples making disciples of the nations and those disciples becoming leaders. There's two main leadership offices in the church, elders and deacons. Elders simply just means those who teach and are in charge, and deacons are those who help and assist. I was once a deacon, now I'm an elder. The Bible says in verse 8, in the same way, somebody say in the same way. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. Sincere. Somebody say sincere. Come on. Not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. See, that's what we're raising up. Shouldn't every Christian be worthy of respect? Amen? Shouldn't every Christian be sincere? Shouldn't every Christian not get drunk and abuse alcohol or drugs? And shouldn't every Christian desire to be honest with their finances? Amen? So what is a deacon really? What is an elder really? They're really just people like you who have been consistent now that they can continue to get the message across. Because if we're not consistent, the message won't get across, and then we'll be hypocrites. Does anybody here want to be a hypocrite? No, does anybody here have respect for hypocrites? No, we're, we've had too many of them. So when you look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and onward, the Bible commands us through Jesus to go and make what? To go and make what? Disciples of all nations. So I'm not here to brag and boast. But look at around, look at the church right now. Look at all the different nations represented here. Why do you think they're here today? Come on, look around. Look at your neighbor. It's okay. Do you want to know why? 
Because this white boy wasn't satisfied just preaching to other white people in the suburbs. See, some of y'all move and you go to the suburbs like as if I don't understand that. I came from the suburbs. I come to you because I think you're worth it. You get that? So if you move to the suburbs, you better move too far away to come here because I'm expecting you to come from the suburbs right to this church. But we're not here just to have one kind of white suburban church or an upper class church. We're to have a church of all nations, all different ethnic backgrounds, and all different economic statuses. I don't want it to be different if a millionaire sits next to you or a homeless person sits next to you. I don't want it to be different if someone from Kazakhstan sits next to you or someone from Alabama sits next to you. Because I want us to understand every nation and every person in those nations deserve a chance to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all of us deserve the chance to be taught to obey everything Jesus has commanded us. And everybody deserves the chance to be a part of the church that Jesus is with until the end of the age. Everybody. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Are we going to do that vision by one pastor doing it all? No. We're going to do it by everybody doing their part. Every disciple making disciples. And that's why we call you to be a deacon. Because the Bible says he's going to spit the lukewarm out of his mouth. And aren't you tired of spitting up like a baby anyway? I mean, those of you who really believe in Jesus, aren't you really ready to be worthy of respect? Don't you want that? Don't you want to have a clear conscience? You say, Pastor, well, it's hard for me. Well, it's hard for me. Well, you say, now, Joe, you're a pastor, so don't, don't use yourself as an example. How do you think I became a pastor? Can I tell you how I got to be here right now, all by God's grace, but can I tell you practically what it looked like? Y'all ready for this? 23 years tomorrow makes the, the day I gave my heart to Jesus. Now watch. I've never missed a Sunday since being saved. Why am I an elder? Why am I a pastor? Because I've been to church on Sundays, the Lord's Day, 1,196 times. I don't mean to embarrass Alex, but Alex walked up to me after I, my, my wife and I had Titus on a Tuesday about three months ago. Uh, on a Saturday, rather, about uh, three months ago, he walked up and he said, man, I was so impressive that you came to church that next day on Sunday. And did I not look at you confused? I said, what do you mean? I didn't even understand the compliment. What do you think I'm supposed to do? Oh, it's Sunday morning. Y'all have church. I just got to hold my baby right now. Isn't my baby going to be there in two hours? Isn't the hospital going to be there in two Why can't I come to church? Oh, he, his kids aren't going to think he loves every single one of those kids. No, I love them as much as a person can possibly love them. But in my house, God always comes first. Bring up little Titus right now. Where is he at? Bring him up, please. Come on. This boy is going to know more love than any child on the planet. Can I hear an amen? Let's, let's give it up for Nancy bringing up Titus right now. Let's switch. did hold that mic up for me please you know what I did the day he was born kissed him and I said I said I'll see you when I get back from church on Sunday 
Why do you think I did that? Because if I don't go to church on Sunday, I'm not going to be the man that God wants me to be to raise up this young man to be a man. So the greatest lesson I'm ever going to teach this young man, come on down with me. I'm going to teach him how to put God first. Jesus, I pray you bless Titus. I pray he learns how to be a man of God every day of his life. I pray he learns how to start on his knees. That way nobody can ever push him down because you will be his strength. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. You're going to tell me I'm not a good dad? That's why when, when Alex said it to me, I really didn't even understand what he meant by it. Church, of course. Unless I'm sick or dead, I'll be here. And I don't say this against anybody that's chronically sick. A lot of y'all sicky poos maybe figure out what's going on. But I haven't missed 1,196. See, what's God mean to you? The Bible says we should be worthy of respect. We should be sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. Those that you see coming up here today, they're people just like you and me, and they have dedicated their life to being faithful to God. Look at verse 9. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Where's Joe B? Come up. You ready for round two, son? They must what to the deep truths? They must what? Come on, hold on, hold, hold. You ain't breaking this one, son. Get two hands if you have to. Come on, yeah. Give it up for Toby. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to faith. You hold on with everything you got. You don't quit holding on. I've seen pastors backslide. I've seen elders cheat on their wives. The woman who raised up my wife is now a lesbian. She divorced her pastor husband. And she tried to get in the way of Nancy and I getting married. And she's now a lesbian in a relationship, pastoring still as a lesbian. You better hold on to faith. Hold on to it, young people. Hold on to it with everything you have. Because you will remember these days. When you are my age, when you are 40 years old, you think it's bad. Now wait till you see what it gets like. But I'm going to tell you what. You're going to see revival in the land. Because as it keeps getting darker and sin abounds, it's going to keep getting brighter. The light of Jesus Christ. We're going to be a city on a hill. And you remember these days. Because it's revival or riot. And I don't care if they take your life. I'll see you in heaven, soldier. And we'll rejoice with the souls that you bring with you. Sing those old-time songs to remind yourself. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in. You bring them in in Jesus' name, amen. And then it says, let them first be tested. That's why at this church, this man got ordained in the first service. He, he went through it for five years. And he is one of the best musical artists that you will ever meet. Brandon wanted him on his team. This brother was getting paid to do music at churches before he came to us to sit down and to work on his own life. And he said with tears today, that was the greatest thing that was ever done for him. Is we didn't look at him based on his talent. We looked at him as a man that needed to be discipled so he could take on stepchildren and make them their, his children. 
He went, how old were you when you got married? He went from being a 19-year-old kid to a 20-year-old father of what? Three kids or four? Three kids. Because he took on a, a, a single mama. See, we raise them up strong here. God raises us up to do this. Amen. And then in the same way, somebody say the same way. Amen. The same way, the women are to be worthy of respect. That's why we ordain women here. Get it on for Jesus. Amen. Be powerful in the Lord. There were so many women that had an impact in my life. I still remember the prophecies they gave me. Not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy and everything. So we're not a gossiping church. We'll tell it to your face. Amen. How many know it's been told to your face before? I'll look right at you. How many know it's been told to your face before? You're in sin. You're not right with God. We don't meddle with what you do with your money, how you dress, and those kinds of things. You know what we get into. We get into whether or not you live for Jesus. But we love you, don't we? A lot of people take laps in this church. They like, they leave it. I ain't never coming back. I'm so done with this church. And then a little bit later, who is it? Oh, little old me. Will you take me back? I went to this church and they didn't even return my calls. I went over here and I did what I wanted. They didn't even care. I went over here and the pastor grabbed my butt and said, that's how I show love around here. True story. True story. Yeah, you'll find out real quick. I'm not saying we're the only ones, but if God told you to stay here, take it. Amen? Because if you can take it, you're going to make it. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, must manage his children and household well. Those who have served well will gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. See, does it say here that those who do this get a great assurance in their faith in Joe Wyrostek as their pastor? Or, or in Metro Praise International? No, it says they'll get great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. See, that's what makes the difference. So when people come to me and they're like, oh, excuse me, Pastor, I just got to step back from ministry right now, and I got to take some time off to work on my family, I'm like, whatever you think you're going to do, it ain't going to work. One of my friends was a pastor, the guy I was telling you about before. He was taking sabbaticals all the time. Don't you know I can take that too? I can take 30 days off a year if I want, full paid. How would y'all like that? Y'all like 30 days paid vacation for yourself. I could do that all the time as a pastor. But guess what? The pastors who I know do that come back just as depressed as when they left. I don't need to take a break from this. This is my dream. Could you imagine Peter saying to Jesus, Jesus, I got to take a break. I've just been hanging around with you too long. I'm not saying you got to do everything. We, all, we have times we have to go home, take care of business, and do that. But could you imagine Peter saying to Jesus, I've been with you too long. So, I've even had people do this to me. You know, serving here is, is, is costing me my marriage. What are you talking about? Y'all ain't doing it right then. I met my wife street preaching on Bourbon Street, and we've been preaching together ever since. And you ain't got a better marriage than me, baby. 13 years of ministry, we strong. Look at six kids. They'll prove it to you. Our love is strong. Never done any marriage conferences, counseling other than pre-marriage counseling. You say, man, you must be so special. No, it's because those who serve well gain an assurance and an excellent standing in their faith with Christ. What I do for others, God does for me. When I let go of what's in my hand, God lets go of what's in his hand. What I make happen for you, God makes happen for me. It's the law of reciprocity. 
that goes around, comes around, some people say, what you sow is what you reap. That's kingdom. God made it that way. You don't sow one apple seed and expect to see a hundred trees come up. You got to put in work. And yeah, baby, we're going on vacation again in November with the new van we got. But you know what? I purposely, I said, I don't want to miss a Sunday. I could. But we're going to drive Monday, come back Saturday. My family now retired to Florida. So I get to go out there. Amen. Y'all just pray for me. I'll be suffering in 80 degree weather at the beach, okay? But y'all listen. I could stay the weekend if I wanted to and I could take my sabbatical and y'all wouldn't think nothing of it because every week you see me, I'm preaching here. But my life revolves around what we do here. So I will be back Sunday. I will see you on Sunday, amen? Because there's no reason for me to miss. If I'm going to miss, I'm going to preach somewhere else and there's got to be a reason why I'm preaching somewhere else. <sighs> Can you bring up those certificates? Somebody say, God is going to grow me up so, I, so he don't throw up. Come on, say it again. Say, God, he's going to grow me up so he doesn't throw up. The first service had a different message called, you can stay or you can go. Y'all can read uh, or listen to that one online. Both of them came a little bit tight, but they were right. Amen. This is my favorite part of the service right here. Thank you guys for your patience. We're going to make some noise for them so y'all don't get in trouble. You will not get in trouble if you clap here. Amen. Let's give it up for Jacqueline Valley. Come on, Jackie. As a part of what we're doing this year is we're honoring the ones who discipled them. So let's give it up for Jerry Vivid as she comes. Jerry discipled Jackie. See, we appreciate what they do here in this church. We're going to make sure we get pictures with them, and then we got a gift card. Starbucks is on us. Thank you, church. Come on, give it up for Jerry one more time. Jennifer Juarez Solis. And let's give it up for Kirsten Rodriguez, her discipler. Let's take a pic, Kirsten, let's take a picture there. Thank you. We want to honor your work in her life. And another Juarez sister, Cielo Juarez Solis. Let's give it up for Ashley Muniz for discipling her. Amen. Now you guys know why this is my Super Bowl. So exciting. So exciting what God is doing in this place. Amen. Here's coffee on us, Ashley. Yes, don't forget. Let's give it up for TJ Hughes. 
And let's give it up for Lawrence Rodriguez for discipling TJ. Yes, sir. Yeah, you, you know. See, I forgot that time. Sorry. Last but not least, Oscar Eduardo Cardenas. And then his discipler, Daryl Escobar. Big D, Big D in the house. Awesome job, man of God. Boom, come on. That's what's up, man. All right, Daryl, coffee's on us. God bless you, man of God. We're now going to let them each share something special from their lives about what God did in this process. I want you to see that Cielo is one of our youngest that has ever graduated. She's graduated while still being a senior in high school. Amen. The rest are all adults. I won't tell you which one is the oldest. She doesn't look like it, but it's amazing testimony of what God can do in young people's lives. They are amazing. Please share with us something and just pass it on down. Thank you. Amen. So... Uh, at the age of, uh, I, when I first came to Metro, I was 12 years old, turning 13, and uh, I followed God up until I was 15, and uh, I backslid for two years, and during that time, I just remembered, man, um, the love of God here was just so amazing, it was just so different. Uh, I felt so welcomed, man, but when I was away from God, man, I just, I felt like I was missing, I was missing something, I didn't know it was God at the moment. And I was so ashamed to come back because I thought I would be judged by everybody here. And, man, I was so wrong. Lawrence Rodriguez invited me back, man. He showed me the love of God. When I came back, it was, I was so wrong. I had so much love here. I felt welcomed by everybody. I don't even know everybody here, but I, I feel loved by all of you, and I love all of you back. He's touched, the Lord has touched me so much. You know, here I am. Finally, a deacon. It's amazing. And I, at the moment, I'm also an SUM, and that's my next goal, to graduate Bible college and to start preaching the word. And as Pastor Joe was saying a minute ago, or not a minute ago, it was more like 10 minutes ago. But, uh, yes, I said, I was talking to Tony on the phone, and I told him that Elevate Youth Ministry, I, I want to stay in this ministry within the next five years or maybe even more. If the Lord is calling me somewhere else, then that's where I will go. But as far as I know, this is my church and this is my ministry. Amen. God is so faithful. He is so faithful. God took this kid who, who lived on the west side. He took him from away from drugs 
from smoking weed. He took him away from game banking. He took him away from you know, living the, the wicked lifestyle and he gave him everlasting life. He gave him joy. He gave him peace. He gave him love like that's never before. Oh my goodness. I remember the day I got stabbed. I remember, I remember the, the, the lifestyle I was living before. I remember I was doing all these wicked things, living this, this wicked lifestyle. And I remember just being in worship. I remember worshiping Jesus. And I remember God speaking to me. And God saying, you don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to live in wickedness anymore. I'm your, I love you. I'm your, I love you like a child. I love you so much. And at, at that moment, I decided to follow Jesus. And I was like, I'm no longer going to live in sin anymore. I'm no longer going to follow the wickedness of the world anymore. I'm no longer going to follow everything. I'm going to follow Jesus. And at that moment, I looked at, I told, I, I walked up to Lawrence, my, one of my best friends, Lawrence Rodriguez. And I was like, man, Lawrence, I want you to do one-on-one with me. I want you to disciple me. I want to be raised up in Christ to proclaim the gospel, to tell people about the love of the, the living God, to tell people about God's mercy and grace. And the thing is, God wants to do that in some of you guys today, too. God wants to use you. All you have to do is give your life to him. It says that today is the day of salvation. That you, If you give your life today, God will use you. Around the world, God will use you. Outside the, um, preaching the gospel, God will use you. Uh, anywhere, because he wants, to, he wants to use you. Because he's a loving God. Because he's an awesome God. He's a, a merciful God. And if God can do this in my life, God can do it in your life as well. Hallelujah. Today I'm rejoicing. I'm so, so happy of what God has done in my life. I, I just look at myself as I was before and I can't believe it. If it weren't for him right now, I wouldn't even be here. I was just full of bitterness and I just hated everyone. Even my mother. But God showed me what true love is. He's just been so good to me. And now I'm I'm so happy, so glad that I get to graduate with my sister. And last time I, I got baptized with my other sister. <laughs> oh, this is, and I know that this is just the beginning. <laughs> and I know that I am called to enter Bible college soon. For now, I'm in high school. 
uh, and God is faithful. He is there. He is present in Christian Club at Taft High School. <laughs> and I just want to thank everyone that's here. My mentor, Ashley, Karina, Monica, everyone, everyone. Um, they're giving me so much love and and I know that God has changed me completely and I am ready to raise up disciples and I am I am ready to raise up Jesus freaks and radicals I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> Good thing I can hold the mic a little hard. <laughs> so I've known Jesus since I was five years old, and I accepted him into my life when I was around eight. So praise God, I've been saved for almost 14 years. Um, he's been so good to me, so faithful. Even in the times I pushed him away, he still was faithful to me. Um, I grew up in uh, difficult moments within my family. So I decided to grab habits from the world, thinking that having ungodly friends was okay, thinking that being a lukewarm Christian was okay, thinking that suffering in silence was okay. I could just put a face and put a mask on. Such difficulties came in my family. See my parents argue. My father now fully being integrated in his fatherly role in my life for my sisters and for myself. I was just really lost by the age of 16. I was sexually abused by my first relationship and that led me to be a single mother. I was really lost, depressed, ashamed. Two years after those events, I encountered the Holy Spirit and he told me that he was still there to come back, that he was still there. I rededicated my life to God that night. I came to the uh, to the United States in 2017, and my sister told me about Metro Praise thanks to my friend Karina, my sister in Christ. And I never felt such love in this church. With the help of my leaders, the leadership in this church, I was able to know and comprehend in depth about God's goodness and the desires that He has for me. From you know. Now, <laughs> next February, I will mark two years. I'm being faithfully Metro Praise, my home church. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I'm in the children's ministry. I love serving my children. <laughs> I thank God that. God used the sister in Christ to prophesize over my life, knowing that I'm called to go to Bible college and be a missionary. And I just thank God and 
I want to give a shout out to my mentor for being the best mentor, <laughs> for being a listener, encouraging me, and for always pushing me to move forward. I learned how to forgive, how to love, and grow in better knowledge in God's word. For my sister Karina, for always being there since day one, having our friendship from 12 plus years ago. <laughs> and now we're here still together serving Jesus. For my sisters, for always being there for me, for trusting who I am today, and for always looking up to me. I will always give and will give and continue to give the best example for, for them. <laughs> my son that had to leave in Mexico, it was one of the hardest decisions, but I know that we'll be re reunited again soon. <laughs> Just thank God for everything that he has done for me, the leadership in this church, and Pastor Jared for being a faithful pastor, giving the word of God every week and never giving up on us. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna cry no more <laughs> they're they're good joy right it's a good joy um, I rejoice and I hope that you guys rejoice with us um, I'm very excited I'm very happy and I'm very thankful I'm very thankful, I'm very thankful. Um, and sometimes the word, the word thankful is not even enough, you know? There's words that can't explain what God did in my life and all of our lives. Um, Jesus, Jesus saves, man, it's real. It happened to me and it happens to many and it's gonna happen to you if you believe it. I remember um, the first people I saw God ordained was Karina, Joby and Monica. And ever since then, I thought about my speech. Ever since then, I was like, what am I going to say when I'm up there? What am I going to say? But it's not, it's not even about my testimony, you guys. It's not about what I did, who I was. It's not even about that. Jesus doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care what you've been through. He loves you, and he wants to get you out of there. Because all you're going to go through is a lot of mystery here. There's a lot of things that we're all going to continue to go through struggles, whether we're with Jesus or without Jesus. Except there's a big difference being with Jesus. We are, we're looking at something higher here, something greater. Um, for our 201 final, they asked us what, what the vision was for us, what the vision looked um, personally. And I, and I put down that I don't know if I'm going to be able to see it in this generation, in my generation, but I, I do want to see it. I want to see that vision go through. And, and, you know, going through the numbers right now with Tijo, I am going to see it. I'm going to be like 30 years old. So, you know, I praise God. But we need more. We need more of you guys to get our day. We need more of you guys to say yes to the calling. Do not be afraid. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to whatever he's calling you to be. Thank you and glory to God for everything that he has done in my life. As they come to the front, would you all please stand us up with us, please? Come to the front and then uh, face us. Guys, just come down here, please. All the elders and deacons who are here now, would you come and surround these wonderful new deacons? We're going to pray for them, and we're going to do the tradition. 2,000 years of anointing leaders with oil, and the church is still here changing lives. As we start to pray for them, would you pray for them as well? 
In the name of Jesus, Father, we lift up to you, Oscar. May he be the mighty man of God you've called him to be, a leader among leaders, a scholar, God. Bless him in his future family. God, set apart a wife for him. Teach him to be a husband and a father for generations to come. Anoint him now to work in the youth ministry with signs and wonders following. Lord, we thank you today for TJ and the blessing that you've put upon his life to preach and to teach. The zeal, the smile, the love. May he spread it around to the world, oh God. Prepare for him a wife as well and a family. May he be faithful in hard times. May he be faithful in difficulties because God, if he's faithful, you'll make him fruitful. I pray that whatever you've given to me, you'll give to him more, a hundred times more. May his ministry impact nations and bless him in a mighty way in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you today for Cielo, her precious heart, the call of God upon her to go to the nations, to be with the orphans, the downcasts, the fatherless, the widows, to be a lover of the unloved, O oh Lord, to go after those who have been forgotten, Jesus. May her heart of compassion reach out and touch others with your love, O oh God, your great love. Bless her and a future husband and a family as well, O oh Lord. Let her not settle for anything less than your best. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you today for Jennifer, Lord. We thank you for the sacrifices that she's made. You have never left her nor forsaken her. You have never let her go down, O oh God. Be with her son even now, Lord. Let the generational blessing, God, come upon him even now, Jesus. May she change the world for you. Set apart her husband in a godly family for her to be a wife and a mother. May all those who come in contact with her sense the power that you put upon her life, God. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for Jackie today. We pray from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet, you'll use her, oh God, for your glory. And that God, as well as we prayed for the others, you would set apart a husband and a family for her to be a wife and a mother, for her to be an awesome missionary for you, to travel the world, oh God, preaching your gospel. May her family come to know and love you through her testimony. Use her, God, as a light into this world, God. Everywhere she goes, let people notice the difference about her. We thank you, Lord, for each one of these precious deacons, God. Each one of the ministries that they serve in. All the new disciples that they're going to impart. All the lives that they're going to change. And all that they do upon their jobs and in their community and in their families. Bless them now, Lord. Let them gain that excellent standing and assurance of their faith. In Christ Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. I now present to you the deacons, Jackie, Jennifer, Cielo, TJ, and Oscar. God bless them. You may come up and greet them now. We're going to put on some prayer music, though. If you want prayer at any time, let us know. Other workers will be here. Thank you for coming. Have a great week. Come on up now and greet them and show them that you love them.